Have you ever had a near-death experience? Or, or maybe, as, as I'll share mine here in a moment, a, a near-death experience that you didn't realize that you were all that near to death? <laughs> it happened a, a number of years ago. Uh, my, my brother and my father and I uh, were in Costa Rica. And, and one of the cool things about Costa Rica is it's, it's a beautiful country, and it's a place where along the coast the mountain range comes. So you've got like mountain ranges right up to beaches. And it's a really beautiful, breathtaking place. And, and we were there doing a, a variety of different things. And one of the things that we got to do was we were able to tour and, and, and get a, a, a landscape of a place that was being developed. And it was on a mountainside. And so we got there the day after they had just completed cutting a new road up a mountain. Now, I, by saying completed, I didn't mean it was like the road was done. They, they were done with like the dirt work, the mud work. It was the rainy season of, of cutting into the mountain. Because the, the way you make a mountain road is you got to cut into the, 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 the mountain in order to make the, the place flat. And so we were going up an incline on mud in the rain. Brilliant. <laughs> My dad was in the front seat, my brother and I were in the back seat, and Clint was driving. And he was a great guy, he was in charge of the whole project, and, and all of a sudden Clint was stepping on the gas, but we weren't going forward anymore. We were going backwards. And, and he was terrified. <laughs> because we were very close to plummeting over the edge. And my brother and I were in the back, like, on a roller coaster ride. And finally, we stopped and were able to turn, and we decided not to go up the rest of the mountain. A wise decision, I think. But, but Clint looks back, and, and, and like with a sigh of relief, that adrenaline rush of, I don't think you guys know how close you were <laughs> to going over the edge. Just to, to revisit briefly Isaiah 40 from the beginning of our worship. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. The rough places a plain. This is, of course, talking about the, the precursor to Jesus. We, we know him as John the Baptist. We talk about him most of the time during Advent. But he's the one that came and set things up. And it's of him that, that we get this reading from Isaiah that's often attributed to him that, that there's something about what God does is to lower mountains and raise valleys. And, and, and I've always marveled at that. I've always longed for that, that, that. That's part of God's work and part of what God does, and there's something beautiful about that. And, and the one who painted the mountains to begin with can certainly get out his eraser and make it smooth and flat without effort, right? But I want us to, to ponder for a moment that there is something violent about altering the topography by even cutting a mountain road into a mountain. 
that there's something that is being done there that radically transforms things, and it's not something that's simple or easy. But there's an element of one of the things that God does is he transforms things. Amen? Hopefully you've been transformed and hopefully you're in the process and in the journey of transformation. But if you know about transformation, it's, it ain't easy, right? It's really hard. You ever try to give up a bad habit? Man. Ever try and lose some few pounds? Right? You ever try to stop gossiping? Transformation is bloody work. It cuts into us. Just like that mountain road that I nearly died on cut into the mountain. In fact, I would argue that one of God's primary works has to do with cutting. It's what he does. It's who he is. And hopefully over the course of this sermon, you'll get a clearer picture of what that means. It's how God has worked and it's how God will work. Today's gospel John the Baptist again comes on the scene and, and he looks at Jesus and this is a, a theme that, that's depicted about Jesus in the Gospels and it's the declaration, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a profound statement and that, that's where we're going to rest today and, and, and spend the rest of our time this morning. What does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God? as you might guess and you may already have in your mind some ways, but this is a specific title given to Jesus that really doesn't make sense in John chapter 1 unless you have the entire Old Testament on the forefront of your mind, which we're going to unpack a little bit. We're going to unpack a little bit as, as we understand cutting is part of God's work. And it goes all the way back to the beginning, back to the early portions of Genesis, right? Genesis 3 is the story of uh, Adam and Eve and the serpent, the fall. And Eve takes the bite, gives some to Adam. They break the trust of God. They believe the serpent over the word of the Lord. And God says, hey, there are consequences, Right? goes through all the different curses, all the different challenges, all the different realities that now come to bear. But at the end, as, as God is kicking them out of the garden, kicking them out of paradise, right, the, the thing that we know about Adam and Eve from the beginning was that they were naked and unashamed, right? You remember that? They were laid bare and they didn't have any shame about it. The the last grace-filled work of God in Genesis chapter 3 is that he covers them with skin, right? Now, that 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 isn't human skin. That doesn't mean up till then they didn't have skin. What, what, What that's saying there is they now have clothes. And the clothes back then came from animals. Fur to keep them warm. Anybody have some... Warm clothes on today, right? 
That's what God did. God said, here, let me cover you with the, 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 the skin of animals to keep you warm, to protect you, because you're going outside of my protection. You're going outside of the garden where I set everything up for you to succeed. You're going into the harshness of the world. You need to be protected. And, and, and to protect you, I'm going to use some animals. And so from the very beginning part of the grace of God, but part of the consequence of our sin is something needed to die in order for God to protect you, right? Because animals don't give their skin and keep living. They, they had to die. And so from the beginning, we have this understanding, this reality that something needs to die for you to live, pretty harsh reality this morning, but we certainly encounter this regularly in our life. The the Old Testament continues as we unlock and unleash the the beauty of this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In in, in several chapters later in Genesis 22, we have the story of Abraham who was the, the father of our faith, Abraham and Sarah and God's faithfulness to them and their faithfulness to God and, and, and the promise all along was that you will have a child and that child through you and through your bloodline, through your family, the world is going to be different and God is going to work and redeem the world. So Abraham and Sarah who were old and barren finally give birth to Isaac. We fast forward just a little bit in terms of the scripture. But in the life of Isaac, he's a a young boy. And God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, your beloved son, the one with whom you're pleased, the one that I promised long ago. I want you to take this son, and I want you to take him up to the mountain of God, and there I want you to sacrifice him. Because there's this harsh theme in Scripture that something needs to die so you can live. And for Abraham, it was his son. And the test was, do you have enough faith in God that he can work even as you face things that are unfaceable? And so the story unfolds. It's a beautiful, power, gut-wrenching, but beautiful story. Isaac, the sacrifice, the sacrifice is going and says, Dad, where's the animal that we're going to sacrifice to God? And, and Abraham responds and says, the Lord will provide the lamb. The Lord will provide the lamb. Something needs to die so you can live. They get up there and, and, and Abraham binds his son Isaac and he's taken the knife. He's about to sacrifice his son. And an angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham, wait, stop. Don't lay a hand on the boy. And Abraham looked up. And there was a ram 
caught in a thicket. And he went and he grabbed that ram, put it on the altar, and worshiped the Lord. Something else needed to die so Isaac could live. Cutting has been a part of the Lord's work in redemption from the beginning. Fast forward again, now we're into the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, and here Israel are are slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And God miraculously through Moses works and speaks and gets a hold of Pharaoh's attention and and continues to say, let my people go, liberate my people, they need to be free. And Pharaoh kept saying, no, no, no. And God continues, and in the story of the Passover, God comes and says, something needs to die so you can live, so you can be free. And each family gathers together and takes a Passover lamb, and they slaughter it, and they eat it together. And they take the blood of the lamb and they paint it on the doorposts so that when the angel of death comes and sees that blood, it passes over. What's going on here? Well, a whole lot, but one of the things that's going on here is God is unsatisfied. He's, he's not satisfied with, with our human lives because we're not human. We're less than human. We've fallen. And so we have in, in the, the story of the Passover, we have kind of a, a, a precursor to, to what God tells us that he's ultimately going to do, right? On the day of judgment day, he's going to come and he's going to make all things right. And his justice is going to rain down like fire. And there's judgment there. And in the story of the Passover, we get a precursor to that, that God's judgment comes down and it pours out on Pharaoh in Egypt. And they're put to death. But what about Israel, right? I mean, Israel's not perfect. And so the lamb of the Passover was a, a, a temporary stopgap. It was a, a pause. It was a pass over us. But it, 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 the lamb of the Passover doesn't forgive and doesn't heal It delivers the lamb of the Passover. And so when John the Baptist comes on the scene and he sees Jesus and he says, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is saying, this is the one. It is him who dies so you might live. It is him who gives of his life so that you can live yours. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Cutting has been a part 
of our story from the beginning. As I already mentioned and as we've talked in the pictures you've seen assuredly, uh, there was a, a nasty storm that came through. As I was driving over uh, on Route 16 to Griffin yesterday, it was early in the morning, there were not many cars coming out of Griffin, but there were a fair number going in, which is beautiful. And as I drove, and if you've been over there, you've seen everywhere you look is destruction. Everywhere you see there are trees upended and uprooted, covering cars, destroying lives, certainly destroying property. There were several of us that spent uh, a fair amount of time there yesterday with chainsaws and labor and a tractor because the only way to give people a step forward in life was to cut away the junk. Sometimes you gotta cut things away so that you can live. It's happened to me, right, the, the simplest and, and, and most uh, innocent, you know, when you get a splinter and it doesn't come out and you got to cut your finger like I dig and dig and dig to finally get that splinter out. Sometimes you got to cut to remove stuff. My mother-in-law is going in for surgery tomorrow. Because she's been battling cancer. And they got to cut some more out. That's what chemo is. That's what radiation is. It's cutting. Not with a knife. But with medicine. Sometimes you got to cut things out in order to live. This is who Jesus is. This is what God has been doing from the beginning. Cutting so you can live. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God is the one who cuts. And let me explain what I mean by that. The, the Hebrew word that means to cut is the same word that we translate as covenant. Covenant. That's a church word if there ever was a church word, but there are few that are better. Because what a covenant is, is it is a, a promise of a relationship. It is a connection. It is an establishment of promises that says, I'm with you and you're with me no matter what. God establishes a covenant with you, and he's willing to keep it by even the cutting of his own son, the shedding of his own son's blood, so that he would die, so you might 
live. This is who Jesus is. Far better than a Passover lamb who delivers. Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away, cuts away the sin of the world so you might live. So you might live. This is our hope. This is where we find our life and our joy, but this is also where we find our calling. What are you called to cut away? This week it might be trees. But just like those trees covering those cars, man, there is sin that covers you and covers your loved ones. Jesus cuts through the sin so your life is redeemed. This is our hope. This is what it means that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He connects you to a story from long ago. And he establishes a future and a promise that reaches far ahead the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so you might live. In the name of Christ, amen.